0: Merry Christmas, Cornerstone. I trust your Christmas day was full of the joy of the newborn Christ. Even in the midst of this crazy, messed up year, we can celebrate the one who came to earth to redeem us from it all. I hope you celebrated well. Well, last Sunday was the last day of our hundred days of going back to the basics. And over the next four weeks, we're going to do 4 standalone sermons to carry us into the new year. And then, starting on January 24th, we'll kick off a new series for the spring. But today is the last Sunday of 2020. And what a year it has been, huh? Global pandemic, racial and political upheaval, the loss of so much, the loss of trips and vacations and graduations and weddings and funerals and parties and and gatherings. So many plans, so many events have been canceled or postponed. But even in the midst of all that, uh, it's been neat to see how God has worked and and family saying we have more time to spend together and and it's been a a reset in our life and our rhythms. That's so great. But going into 2021 now, things probably won't be a lot different. It doesn't seem like COVID is going away anytime soon and I don't think things are going to change anytime soon. In fact, I don't know that life will ever be the same again. So, as followers of Jesus, as citizens of heaven, how do we respond? How do we, how do we navigate these strange times? How do we live biblically in light of all that is going on? Well, I want to tell you a story about a friend of mine. Uh, he's from the Middle East. He told me the story about living through some pretty hard times himself where things got really bad and his life was changed forever. Things were never the same again. He longed for things to get back to normal, just like we do, but they never did. He experienced the grief that comes from losing so much. He was misunderstood. He was accused of not loving his country. And those uh, those around him who were patriotic hated him. He witnessed awful corruption among the government leaders. He watched as the economy was totally destroyed and and there were widespread shortages of basic supplies and, and foodstuffs. He watched as his country was completely destroyed by a foreign army. The capital city was ravaged, destroyed, people were murdered. He was, he was sickened by all that he saw. And life as he knew it would never be the same. I suppose he, he might have said there was a, a, a new normal, but it wasn't even close to the old normal. Well, my friend's name is Jeremiah. Jeremiah. And the capital city that he saw destroyed was Jerusalem. And the foreign army that destroyed the land was Babylon. Everything that Jeremiah knew and loved and understood was destroyed. His way of life, uh, if they had coffee shops, his favorite coffee shop was gone. His favorite bakery to buy bread was gone. Uh, The place where he went to worship, the temple, was gone. It's kind of just like us, isn't it? Oh, the details are different. But the situation is so much the same. We have lost so much. Our way of life has been changed probably forever. The old normal will probably not return. So, so how do we process all this? How do, we, how do we live in light of all that has been and is going on? Well, what I want to do this morning is I want us to learn from Jeremiah. I want us to learn from how he handled the same kind of massive loss and upheaval as we are facing. As a man of God, as one who lived for the glory of God, he has much to teach us and we can learn so much from him. And so we're going to spend our time in the Old Testament books of Jeremiah and Lamentations. Both of these books record Jeremiah's words. Uh, Lamentations is a a short little five-chapter book. That is exactly what it says. It's a lament, an expression of grief and sorrow. And from these books, from Jeremiah's life and from Jeremiah's words, I want us to see five truths that will serve us well as as we reflect on all that happened in 2020 and as we look ahead into 2021. These are truths that we need to meditate on, that we need to come back to again and again. Truths to help us understand how to live biblically and Christ honoring in these times, and so the first truth that I want us to see is that that we have to grieve the losses. It's okay to be mad and frustrated and disappointed that your your graduation or your wedding had to be postponed or changed. It's okay to grieve that now we have to wear face masks or or, or we can't eat in restaurants or any number of other things that have changed. It's okay to grapple with the reality that things will likely never go back to how they were. It's okay. In fact, I would say it's essential that we mourn over all that we have lost. Jeremiah grieved deeply. He's often called the weeping prophet because of the extent of his sorrow over all that had happened to Israel. Listen to his words from Lamentations 3 just to get a feel for for his grief. He says my soul is bereft of peace. I have forgotten what happiness is. (laughs) Forgotten what happiness is. So I say my endurance has perished, so is my hope from the Lord. He was in a bad way. Remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. Wow, can we relate? Can you relate to those feelings? Have you had those kinds of feelings this past year? Uh, I have, and, and I'm sure you probably have. I think Jeremiah is giving us permission to grieve and to be upset and to mourn. But we can't stay there wallowing in all that. In the midst of it all, Jeremiah found reason to hope, reason to sing, reason to get out of bed each morning. And so, the second truth that we learn from Jeremiah is that there is hope in God. In fact, our only hope is in God. Yes, grieve. But oh man, we have a relationship with the creator of the universe. Jeremiah says in in chapter 9 and verse 23 and 24, thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, let not the mighty man boast in his might, let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love and justice and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. Now the word boast here, it's from the Hebrew uh, word halal. We get hallelujah from the same word. It means to be thankful for something or satisfied in something or to, or to praise and glory in something. As Jeremiah saw his entire way of life destroyed, he realized that all that this world has to offer is empty and it always will be. The wisest minds are at a loss for what to do. They're foolish compared to God. Human wisdom utterly fails us as we seek answers to a global pandemic or to social unrest or or to political corruption the strong and the mighty are helpless in dealing with a virus so tiny we can't even see it and wealth well it doesn't take much for all kinds of riches and wealth to disappear like a vapor a real estate collapse or a stock market crash we could easily add to this list of things not to boast in or not to depend on like the government or a vaccine or or political parties or stimulus packages don't boast or praise any of these things. We should not be looking to anything the world has to offer to understand how to navigate life as we move into 2021. Instead, Jeremiah says, boast in knowing God. Now that doesn't mean that I boast about me and how well I know God. It means that our glory, our satisfaction, our security is in knowing God and having a relationship with him. Verse 24 tells us uh, about some of those things that we should know about God. I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. Regardless of, of the mass destruction in Jeremiah's day or a global pandemic in our day or any level of personal grief or loss or sorrow, God's steadfast love is complete and never-ending. He exercises perfect justice. Even when things are completely twisted and unfair, God is perfectly righteous and he will right all things. Everything that is wrong and corrupt, he will right it. Jeremiah understood and we must understand that our only hope is in God and knowing him. And so, spend time. Time nurturing that relationship using the disciplines that that we have learned this fall. Now, the third truth that we learn from Jeremiah that can help us navigate these hard times is that God's mercies are new every morning. In Lamentations 3, Jeremiah writes this Remember my affliction, the wormwood and the gall, not, not, not the sorrow and the bitterness, even maybe anger and frustration in his words here. My soul continually remembers it and, and is bowed down within me. But, but this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. This is so good and so important for us to remember. We have had bad days and we will have more bad days. Jeremiah's emotions were all over the place. Good days where he had the right perspective and bad days where he was convinced that God had abandoned him. Just like you and me. Some days, I'm okay. And some days, I am just so over it. On those kinds of days, you know what keeps me going? More often than not, I remember this verse. I remember these words. I remember this truth. This blessed word from God through the mouth of Jeremiah, who probably had more than his fair share of bad days. This truth, his mercies are new every morning. What a a blessing to be able to crawl into bed at night, get a good or maybe a lousy night's sleep, and wake up in the morning and start over. Life as we knew it just one year ago is gone, and things will likely never be the same. We lost a lot this year, but tomorrow morning is coming. In verse 22, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Life changes, things change, but God's steadfast love never changes. There are new mercies, new experiences of love and grace, new opportunities, new dreams every single morning. Now the fourth truth that Jeremiah held on to is that we must rest on God's complete and total faithfulness. Back to Lamentations 3 and verse 22. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning, great is your faithfulness. And here Jeremiah, Jeremiah writes the words that have encouraged so many over the past 2,600 years, both through this text and through the great hymn that this text inspired. Great is your faithfulness. He also says that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. This word for for steadfast love is a Hebrew word that means covenant faithfulness. It's the same word he used back in in Jeremiah 9 and verse 24. This word describes God's covenant commitment to love his people. Those of us who have placed our faith in Jesus alone for salvation. No matter how dark things get, no matter how much has changed in our world, God is faithful to his people. Hudson Taylor was a missionary to China in the second half of the 1800s, and I've often used stories from his life. Uh, I know in in past when I've preached, I've talked about a little book that his grandson wrote called Hudson Taylor's Spiritual Secret. I first read it as a freshman in Bible college, and it changed my life forever. Like Jeremiah, and like us, he too faced many griefs and frustrations and massive cultural changes in the 50-plus years he was in China, Things changed dramatically. He watched as many of the missionaries under his care were killed for their faith. But he found rest in God's faithfulness. And it was this concept, this resting on his faithfulness that so captured me as a young adult. He said that the secret was not striving after more faith or trying harder to attain something, but simply resting on God's faithfulness. Such a Simple thing to say, but such a powerful secret to navigating life. For Jeremiah, watching the massacre of his people or us watching our country and society ravaged by COVID and politics and personal loss, the the key is not to try harder or to fight or to complain. The key is to rest on his faithfulness. So what does that mean? Well, I've been working on this my whole life, working on trying to understand this concept. I certainly don't have it nailed down, but here are some things that I've learned. Resting on his faithfulness sometimes feels like giving up or or letting go or even not caring. Resting on his faithfulness is based on seeing his faithfulness in Scripture, seeing his faithfulness in my own life, remembering past experiences, and and seeing God's total faithfulness in surviving, even flourishing in hard times of the past. Resting on his faithfulness is just that. It's a resting. It's an act of stopping. Just quit fighting, quit arguing, quit complaining. And, And resting usually only comes when we run out of options. And so God has to eliminate all the options in our lives So that we can learn to rest on him alone because he's all we have and he's all we need. Resting on his faithfulness does not necessarily mean that he will give me what I want or do what I want. But it does mean that he will do what is best for me. So in spite of all we have lost, in spite of things changing forever, we can completely rest on the absolute truth that God is absolutely faithful. Great is his faithfulness. Such a great truth. And the fifth and the final truth that Jeremiah teaches us about dealing with all that happened in 2020 and all that will happen in 2021 is that we have to learn to wait. Oh man, this is tough. In fact, I believe that waiting is a spiritual discipline, a discipline that can move us into the pathway and presence of Jesus. It hasn't been one of the disciplines we've talked about this fall, but but waiting is a huge part of following Jesus. Let me read again from Lamentations 3, verses 24 and five and six. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. I hate waiting. I hate waiting in line, I hate waiting at the doctor. I had a doctor's appointment a couple weeks ago and I sat in there for an hour and a half. I hate waiting, I hate it, I hate it, I hate it. Well, we had a a Christmas box uh, to mail to our kids in Australia and we finally had it all ready and packed and so I decided I'm gonna go to the post office right now and I'm gonna mail it. So as I'm driving into the post office, I'm praying, Lord, I pray that there is no line. I know, yeah, right. Um, But God does do miracles. But regardless, I pray for patience and I pray for a good attitude. And Lord, if I have to wait for two hours, it's okay because we'll get this box going and on its way. So I drove in and parked, fully expecting that there would be no line. Nope. The line was out the door and it was on the sidewalk. But you know what? It was okay. I just waited with a really good attitude. God knew that learning to wait well For me, that day was more important than getting the job done quickly. Now, waiting and hoping go together. There are several biblical words that are translated wait, and often those same words are translated hope. We can wait because we have hope. Hope is not wishful thinking like, I hope things get back to normal or I hope the vaccine works. No, biblical hope is an absolute certainty. Therefore, I can wait God to work. I can wait for God to bring about justice or to make all things right because my hope is in knowing that He will. But notice that that Jeremiah tells us that our hope, that our waiting, that our patience includes seeking heart after God. Verse 25, the Lord is good to those who wait for Him, to the soul who seeks Him. That's what this fall emphasis was all about. This hundred days of getting back to the basics and learning new and relearning old disciplines that put us in the pathway to seeking after God. Bible reading and praying and serving and fasting and worship and solitude and fellowship and witnessing and celebration, these are all simply tools that we can use to seek God and get to know him better and rest in his faithfulness and revel in his new mercies every morning and wait for him to make all things right. David explains the exact same idea of waiting in Psalm thirty-seven, seven. He says, "Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways when they carry out their wicked schemes. You see that? Did you see that? Even when evil people succeed, even when there are wicked schemes in our leaders and our policies and our government, or at your job or even in your home, do not fret, but wait patiently for Him." to bring justice. So back to Jeremiah's story. How did it end? What did Jeremiah get for all of his waiting? How was God faithful? Well, Jeremiah died without seeing an end to this horrible time. He waited through, all through these awful years and things never did go back to normal. The place where he used to worship, the temple, was still in ruins. God's people were still in captivity in Babylon. Things were still pretty much messed up. You know, I like Jeremiah. His life was a mess. And I think I can relate to his mess. So much grief, so much sorrow, so many dreams dashed, so many plans completely ruined. Yet he placed his hope and trust in a faithful God. Even when things did not work out like he wanted them to, he could still trust in God. So many of our dreams and so many of our plans in 2020 were also destroyed and, and changed. And that that loss might still sting. That's okay. Grieve it well. But let's dream big as we move into 2021. Let's dream and imagine and pray and wait to see what God will do in these new times. Let's get excited about 2021 because his mercies are new every morning and great Is his faithfulness. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for a man like Jeremiah who went through so many hard times and so much grief and so much sorrow. Thank you for what you took him through because today, millennia later, he's an encouragement to us. And I pray that we would learn from his life, learn lessons from how he handled things so that we can navigate the the times that you've called us to be a part of. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the hope. Thank you for the trust, the confidence. Thank you that you are utterly, completely, and totally faithful. In Jesus' name, amen.